You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Straight Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, well. Welcome into the show. It's Matt, Lars, the gang is all here. And I hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. The uh, the Tide went on the road, beat LSU. That's basketball. But Lars, I guess everybody in the world wants to just cut immediately. Wants to just cut immediately. Wants to just cut immediately. Yep, Alabama has uh, has their new guys, and they're only uh, I think what thirty four years apart in age. <laughs> Tommy Reese, the new offensive coordinator uh, from Notre Dame is 30 years old, and then we got word uh, late last night, early this morning, that uh, Kevin Steele is, in fact, going to be the new defensive coordinator at Alabama. And this is kind of a full-circle hire uh, for Nick Saban. Steele was his original defensive coordinator at, at Alabama, and uh, they they know each other very, very well. And it's actually the third time that Steele has been on Saban's staff, staff in Tuscaloosa. He was on 2007 to 2008, uh, 2013 to 2014. And so, look, the two, they know each other's tendencies. They know the expectations of one another. Um, and they know how also that those tendencies and expectations have evolved through a significant transition of, of offensive football. Uh, you go back to what it was like in 2007, and it was almost like a, a whole, uh, an ice age ago, uh, the way college football was played. You know, running backs would have 30 more yards or 30 or more attempts a game. Uh, up t- tempo schemes were rare, and uh, the defensive depth just wasn't tested as much as it is now. But now, um, you know, the, uh, the the transition to modern college football has certainly happened. And uh, I think, you know, Tommy Reese, he ran uh, on the offensive side of the ball at, uh, at Notre Dame. He ran the spread. Uh, and so I think he's going to bring a version of that. But I think it's also there's going to be some more old school pounding of the ball between the tackles. Um, and, uh, and, and, and look, I, I know some Alabama fans aren't crazy about, oh, that whole, um... yeah, about either hire, but, but you got to remember, Brian Kelly really wanted Tommy Reese to go with him from Notre Dame to LSU. And Brian Kelly is a great offensive mind. So just keep that in mind. Um, so I do Lars. And, so, and I think that's his biggest selling point. Yeah. To, and, and, you know, and my limited hiring of coaches the fact that brian kelly that's a big endorsement and, and by the way brian kelly over exceeded my expectations at lsu well, he beat alabama yep well <laughs> i mean it's pretty much as, as simple as that but you know steel this just i think it adds a little spice uh, to the iron bowl 
um, because you got to remember that uh, it basically came down to are, is, is Almer going to hire Steele as their head coach or are they going to hire Brian Harson as their head coach? And they decided to go with Harson, and we all know how that worked out. Not too well. Um, and now Steele has come full circle, um, coming back to Alabama with Saban. Um, and, you know, is I, I think it's fair to ask, if this is Nick Saban's final defensive coordinator in Tuscaloosa, no, it isn't. I think it's I think it's very fair to ask. And, uh, it's fair to ask, but I don't think. I, and it, excuse me, oh. I answered you incorrectly. It's very fair to ask. I don't think it is. Yeah, because um, there are three Power Five teams he has not coached for. Who's Kevin that? Steele. <laughs> it's a, it's a. Yeah, I know. No, no, sorry. <laughs> no, I look. I remember Kevin Steele back at Nebraska when he was a linebackers coach. Uh, one of my best friends was playing middle linebacker, and uh, he absolutely did not like Kevin Steele. But, um, All right, wait, but, hey, but hey, 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 stop, stop. Yeah. For what reason? Can you? Uh, he can didn't you allow. He, yeah, he didn't. Um, he didn't get the playing time he felt he deserved. Oh, well, it was a, it was a playing time issue, and that yeah, Steele. I mean, gosh, you go. He was a G. Okay, he started at Tennessee, New Mexico State, Oklahoma State, back to Tennessee, Nebraska, Carolina Panthers, Baylor, Florida State, Alabama, Alabama again in, in 2008, uh, Clemson, Alabama in 2013 as director of player personnel, 2014, Alabama's linebackers coach, 2015, LSU, 2016 to 2020, Auburn, 2020, Auburn interim head coach. 2021, Tennessee interim head coach. 2022, Miami. 2023, Bama. This is a well-traveled coach. And I, I don't know how you I don't, I don't know how you do it. How do you have a life? With a and, family? I mean, if you're a single guy rambling around the world, that's I guess I could understand that. But even solo. They have a, he and his wife, um, he and his wife Linda have a son and a and a daughter. And boy, just to be uprooted that much would be really hard. I mean, I know just personally talking to different coaches of of the dreaded talk when you have to go into your kid's bedroom and say you're moving again and you're going to a new middle school, and it's just uh, it's horrible. Well, you remember last week we were talking to Rick Christopher, and yeah. that was one of the things he brought up. He said, "Good grief, you know, it's and a hard he, life." And he mentioned almost that verbatim. How hard it was to tell his girls we're moving again. Yeah, in the middle of a school year. Yeah, it's so. Uh, anyway, uh, Lars, quickly uh, on a scale of one to ten, and the Lars Anderson uh, scale. Okay, what is Tommy Reese? I um I like it because he's he's young. He brings fresh ideas. He comes from um, uh, the, a, the Brian Kelly tree, so I'd give it. I'd give it about an eight. Really? I mean, but the, here's the thing: it's so hard to to rank these because you're gonna do what Nick Saban tells you to do. You know, <laughs> Nick Saban really is you the offense. Lost uh, a lot of people. Nick Saban really is the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. He has the ability to overrule every single play call, and uh, he's he's involved in the game plan. And I know you have to let 
your assistants do their job and you have to um you know give them some space but but ultimately this is uh, Saban's offense and uh and it, you know r- reportedly Tommy Reese wasn't Saban's first choice I- I'm not sure about that I'm not sure about that um I, I think uh, that requires uh, some more reporting but um yeah, it, it, it's just pretty amazing that uh, you, you hire a 30-year-old and a what? What I say, 64-year-old as, as your yeah. <laughs> as your uh, uh, two different coordinators, and um, and and again, I, I like what Tommy Reese brings. Just uh, you know, fresh again, freshness, fresh ideas, and um, and and but like I said, ultimately. This is Nick Saban's offense. And defense. Yeah. So, let me ask you, scale of 1 to 10 again. I, I think Steele, just because he's got so much freaking experience, I mean, I'd give it like a 7 or an 8, you know? he's He has, um, and he has a really good reputation uh, among coaches. I did, Except and, for and, a Nebraska linebacker. <laughs> Except for my buddy John Hess, who <laughs> didn't. Well, the thing is, John didn't play. And then right when Kevin leaves, John gets to play one year, and he becomes all Big 12 middle linebacker. So he, there's no love lost between John Hess and Kevin Steele. So I, I think it was it was some personal stuff that went on between them. Like maybe John, like you know, mouthed off a little bit. John ended up scoring the highest, by the way, on the Wonderlick that year. For uh, at the at the NFL Combine, which is that sort of faux intelligence test, and he was the player I told you about that um, the Denver Broncos picked up right before the playoffs started after spending the whole oh, year with yeah, the Packers. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what you're telling me, he's too big for his britches. I haven't I haven't talked to John some in twenty people, years. Some people fit. In schemes, some people do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll bet he got a little chippy, and I'll bet that hacked off Kevin Steele. And you know what? You don't they're hack both, off. They're both wrong. Yeah. Well, they're both wrong. You don't hack off a, a, a coach. Um, but uh, anyway. By the way, uh, here, here's something I found interesting, and I asked you and Josh as we were kind of warming up for the show. Tommy Rees was on the roster but did not play in Alabama's national championship game against Notre Dame. Everett Golson was their starting quarterback. He's the only QB that played in that game. But Rees then the next year started, um, evidently from at least this page I found. Yeah, he was a a pretty efficient quarterback. He was. And and, and, and if you kind of dig into the stats, this is is interesting. Um, I think Rees... I think he's going to try to stretch the field a little bit more. Now, even though Bill O'Brien had the benefit of Bryce Young, the raising, reigning Heisman Trophy winner from last year, Notre Dame backup quarterback Drew, Drew Pine actually had a better completion percentage on passes of 15 or more yards in the air. Right, So Young finished 34th in the country in that category, um, and Pine finished 21st in the country in that category. It's not a huge difference, but in the context of considering that Pine was uh, the Irish, was he was not only the Irish backup to start the season, but he didn't have the weapons that Young had. Um, 
and even though it was a down year for the Tide, right? He, Notre Dame simply just doesn't have the players that Alabama has. So I think um, it will be interesting to see. I mean, I, I, there's a, a belief among reporters that Alabama is going to run the ball a lot more. Uh, last year, Alabama finished 82nd in the nation in rushing attempts. 82nd? I mean, that seems crazy, uh, almost impossible under a, a Nick Saban coach team. Um, but even though they finished 82nd in rushing attempts, they finished 4th in the country in rushing yards per attempt. So they're very efficient rushing the ball at 5.57 yards. Um, and the translation of that is that the Alabama's rushing attack relied more on home run hits, home run plays, rather than pounding the rock, you know, for full for full quarters. And you, then you look at Notre Dame, what they did with Reese last year. They finished 21st in the country in rushing attempts per game at 40. And um, so I think I think Reese is going to get Alabama back to. Um, to uh, to really running the ball more, uh, probably at more motion, more eye candy to open up running lanes. Um, he's going to have more talent than he had in South Bend. Um, I don't think we're going to have like a, a Derrick Henry situation, but I think Saban is intent on being more physical and more balanced on offense. You're listening to Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, Christian Miller. There is, believe it or not, more sports going on in the world other than Alabama's OCDC. But that is the topic. And we invite your calls at 205-342-9904 as you listen to this bright and sunny Monday edition of Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! I don't want to go to bed at night dreading waking up in the morning knowing that I'm going to feel like a rusty lawn chair getting out of bed and getting opened up and not being able to really move for a couple hours. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 71. Wednesday, increasingly cloudy showers and thunderstorms by late afternoon, the high 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Lars, it's Matt, it's Christian Miller. Hey, Christian, what went on in Tuscaloosa over the weekend? Anything exciting? Same old, just, uh, you know, hanging around. I'm actually in the process of buying a, uh, another house, so uh, just going around, head to Lowe's, doing a couple things for that. I'm just, sorry, I can't picture a 6'4 guy just strolling through Lowe's. Asking one of those people in the red vest, say, hey, uh, where can I get a, a gallon of uh, latex? <laughs> white, preferably uh, eggshell white. Because of my height? By the way, I'm Christian Miller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean, so, Christian, honestly, what, uh, whole, what? You know, I, 
Yeah. I, I put my my Carhartt pants on, and I, I I got to look down, man. I don't I don't even think they have a clue who I am. I I blend in with the rest <laughs> of them. Nice, um, Christian. Your reaction to the uh, hiring of Kevin Steele as Alabama's newest defensive coordinator? Well, I think he was you know one of the the last you know few guys out there that Coach Saban felt comfortable with. Um, there's a lot of familiarity uh, between the two. Um, but speaking on him specifically, he's a he's an old school style of football coach, real hard nosed football coach. He's he's not afraid to jump on you, and um, he's going to uh, preach that physical uh, philosophy and uh, aggression. And um, uh, you know he's got an abundance of SEC experience, so it just makes sense. It seems um, very much like a coach Saban hire, at least on the defensive side of the football. Um, somebody who who's very familiar with him and his system and come right in and um, you know they should be able to work together seamlessly they they both you know know each other's expectations so it, it makes a lot of sense um, you know I was with him for one year in 2014 um, then he went on I think to be the coordinator at LSU and uh, eventually was at Auburn which you know if you, if you look at his Auburn defenses when he was there for several years um, he had those guys playing physical uh, you know downhill thumpers and um, their front seven was just very disruptive and aggressive. So um, I expect him to bring that back here to Alabama, and uh, he's going to have a lot of talent to work with. And um, the one thing I'll, I'll add, too, is a lot of people are complaining about, you know, because I don't think you know, it doesn't necessarily sound like a home run hire on paper or whatnot. But here's the thing. Nowadays in, in football, it's not just one guy running the show, right? Number one is Coach Saban's system. Number two, Coach Steele is going to be the defensive coordinator. However, you know, they just hired the young defensive coordinator from Southern Miss, who's a young guy um, who's going to be able to put his input in there. He's going to be able to kind of be in those meetings and help kind of throw out some ideas and um, create some innovation, you know, from a, a, a younger perspective. You know, so he's going to be involved. I'm sure they're bringing in an, an analyst or two. Um, they're going to be involved. It's, it's almost it's a team job. Right. So it's, it's not something to panic over just because it's not a name that you were necessarily expecting. Look, you know, Jeremy Pruitt would have been. Coach Saban's first choice. I think we all understand that. It's just, unfortunately, at this time, wasn't going to work out. So um, I'm good with the hire. I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I, I don't understand why some people are, you know, making it more than it is. Like I said, it, when you understand how, how much goes into it, it's not just one guy running the show. He's going to have uh, multiple hands helping him. And uh, I, I think it just makes a lot of sense. And just uh, your experience with how Kevin Steele was just interacting with the players, would you classify him as sort of a, a player's coach or just someone kind of hard to get to know, just, you know, just real sort of straightforward? How would you characterize his sort of just his coaching style? Yeah, like I said before, Lars, I mean, he's a hard-nosed, old-school guy. You know, he actually – uh, my recruitment was kind of turned over to him. He's a South Carolina native. I think he's from Dillon. Um, so during the recruiting process, I mean, he was cool as can be. Then, you know, once I got here, you know, it, 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 he definitely turned up the intensity. Now, he wasn't my coach. He was with the inside linebackers. But, uh, again, he would not be afraid to jump on you. Um, he, he's definitely going to, you know, get the best out of his players. You know, he's an older guy, so he's not necessarily going to resonate with you like a Pete Golding would, right? It's going to be a little bit different of a dynamic. You know, this guy's 60-something years old. Um, so, it's you know, it's it's a little bit different of a dynamic, but he's still, um, you know, a great football coach, and, and, and he's, a, he's a great guy. It's just, again, the dynamic is different when you're talking about an old-school, old you know, hard-nosed 60-year-old football coach versus a, a guy who's, 
just hitting 40, if that, and uh, a lot younger and, you know, um, can kind of resonate with his players a little bit more. But um, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, doing your job and, and uh, a football coach is hired to, to get results on the football field. They're not hired to be your best friend. And uh, I think that's really what, what they're expecting is to, to get him in here and help getting these guys, you know, playing with that tenacity, that, that intensity, and, and to really getting them buying into that, that you know, the Alabama standard because he was here. Uh, he was Coach Saban's first defensive coordinator, so he's going to be able to help, you know, reestablish that philosophy that we've seen in the past. Christian, is it evident during practices that it's Nick Saban's team and Nick Saban's defense? Or does the defensive coordinator, are they the person in charge? Well, um, it, well, it's kind of it's, it's both, right? Um, kind of like how I was explaining last week, um, how Coach Saban kind of oversees stuff. The defensive coordinator is doing the work. I mean, they're paying that guy, you know, a couple million dollars to do that. So he's running through the scripts. He's organizing the practice. He's he's the one in charge. But then you have the guy above him who's kind of overseeing everything else. And he's also, you know, chiming in and, um, you know, pointing out things that he sees. And if he's not happy with something, he's going to jump on the defensive coordinator to, you know, get your guys to do this, get your guys to do that. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it, right? You know, it's like you got the the top guy who's overseeing everything, um, who's throwing in his input, but you got the guy right below him um, who's, you know, running the show. He's doing everything, um, but at the end of the day, he still has to answer to the boss man who's sitting right there, right next to him. Does that make sense? So it's kind of, it's a little bit of both, right? I mean, it's you know it's Coach Saban's system because, you know, it's basically we, stuff doesn't really change much. I mean, they're going to run base strong three out of the first day of – uh, can't practice until, until uh, the cows come home because that's Coach Saban's base. That's what they teach is the fundamentals of the defense. So um, it's kind of a little bit of both to answer your question. Well, and I thought that would be the answer. It's just um, that the few times I've been able to watch practice, it just seemed like Saban was in control. And right. as a result of that, his coaches uh, listened to him. But then I don't know what it's like when you guys get over into groups and when you're with your linebacker coach, when you're edge coach and all that kind of stuff. But I think, it, and Lars said this at the very top of the show, you can hire Tommy Reeves, you can hire Freddie Kitchens, you can hire Kevin Steele, you can hire, uh, give me another one, uh, Jeremy Pruitt. They still work for Saban. They still coach for Saban. And that's, isn't that, Christian, the end-all, be-all? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like that everywhere. It's the same thing at Clemson with Dabo Sweeney. I mean, it, he can hire whoever, but he's the head football coach. So at the end of the day, uh, they have to answer to him, and um, it's his product. It, he's the one, um, when they're doing well, he's going to get the, the claim to fame. He's going to get all the praise. But when they're doing bad, he's going to have to take all that, that criticism. So uh, he's going to be on everybody. And, and, and it, it's, it's not like Coach Saban's any different than any other head coach. It's just um, – from my experience, you know, that that's just what I've been able to experience and see um, how he operates and in terms of how he runs his, his ability to lead guys. And again, Coach Saban will jump on his coaches. So um, it, that's just kind of how the, the process works here. But it it's proven to be successful, so there's no need uh, to, to change it. And, uh, I, I, again, I think um, for, for what they had to, to go from, I mean, I think this makes the most sense um, in terms of, you know, we, we Coach Saban likes familiarity with his defensive coaches. We, we've seen that. Um, I mean, I feel like Pete Golden was one of the first guys who kind of didn't really come from his tree um, to be promoted to that defensive coordinator role. I mean, you know, but yet Tosh McCoy for 
you know, one season. But behind the scenes, Pete Golden was really <laughs> the defensive coordinator in disguise, uh, helping him out. So um, I think Coach Saban's comfortable with this hire. And again, I mean, it could be a one-year hire. It could be a several-year thing. Um, I'd still just go back to looking at him. They hired Austin Armstrong from Southern Miss, who was a defensive coordinator there, who's uh, who was quickly climbing the ranks of the college uh, and coaching world. And, and you just think about a young guy like that. He's going to be able to learn from uh, not only Coach Saban, but Coach Steele, who has, you know, 30 plus years of coaching. And uh, I think it's going to be a great group effort. And uh, I think they're going to kind of um, help reestablish that physicality on defense. And then uh, hopefully that Alabama standard that we're used to seeing. That's Christian Miller, along with Lars Anderson and Matt Coulter. Coming up, I'm not sure uh, if he's at the keg, uh, if he's at the Florabama. Mick Gillespie is with us next, no matter where he is. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. I studied Spanish in college and never got fluent, but then I tried Babbel. Want the most effective way to learn another language? In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel's bite-sized lessons will have you learn. Somewhere There's a big umbrella casting shade over an empty chair Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Joe Gaither, Aiden, Josh. By the way, we're going to do this do it really, really fast, not to run off um, all of our listeners. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Josh. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. Happy birthday, Josh. How old are you, dude? Well, like, I'm going to guess. Guys. Let's guess Tw- his age. 21, 21 forever. Uh, I'm gonna say he's like 28. Hey, honestly, the mindset. <laughs> How old are you, really, man? Yes, sir. Hey, uh, 28. Yes, sir. Ah, 28. All right. Oh, good deal. 95, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mick Gillespie joins us from Bama Insider and uh, On Three and many others, which we will get to in a moment. But uh, Mick, I gotta lead with this because you and I get it and understand. Pitchers and catchers report in 10 days. How cool is that? Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, it comes by so fast. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I was looking at uh, the uh, Cubs um, non-roster invitees to camp just a couple minutes ago. I was excited for some guys that I know. And um, it's it's that time of year, man. I mean, I'm down here, shorts and T-shirt, and hoping that this weather holds out. Uh, but soon enough. We'll be so hot, we'll be wishing for a day like this. And we'll have baseball. Mick, what is your response to uh, the new offensive coordinator and new defensive coordinator at Alabama? Are you surprised? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I was surprised. I, I didn't have either one of these guys as who I thought would come, but uh, for, for different reasons, I like both of these hires. I'll, I'll start with Kevin Steele. You know, I, I don't know how long I've been saying it, and a lot of other people have kind of echoed my sentiments. Maybe I echoed theirs, but defense has got to be, they got to be more aggressive. They got to be more confident. Uh, they also need to be more disciplined and um, kind of get back to what Alabama is known for. You know, I feel like our identity was starting to slide. We were looking a lot more like one of those Big 12 teams than, than the, the SEC 
dynamite on D that we're kind of used to, and I feel like Kevin Steele's going to bring that back to the table. I would have loved to have seen Jeremy Pruitt in this job, but I, I don't think it was possible right now with the investigations and you know and all that stuff going on at Tennessee when he was there. It could happen eventually. Maybe he'll be be on the staff as some kind of analyst or something like that. But if you if you're not going to get him, I really felt like they needed to go back and get someone who understood the way that things were to try to get it back that way. So I like that hire, and he's a guy that comes in with a ton of experience and um, and a great track record. So uh, and he can recruit. So I, I'm good. I like that one. Now Tommy Reese, I wasn't thinking Tommy Reese. You know, I mean, I, I was looking in a bunch of different directions, and when his name popped up, you know, we knew he was a really good coordinator under Brian Kelly at, at uh, Notre Dame. He was an offensive, he was a quarterback coach who did a good job and uh, was able to run the football, which I think something uh, something that, that's an area where some Alabama really needs to get back to, something they need to do better. RPOs are his thing. I mean, go back and look at what he did with Ian Book, who wasn't the best talented quarterback but was smart and uh and picked up the system you know i think that's something that alabama and nick Saban's even said this that they really need to get back to and having a quarterback that can can do those things is going to help uh you know who wants to but he, and this guy could have been at lsu you know he he had other uh, miami could have been at different spots uh but he held on for a year at notre dame and honestly i think you you see the way that things went for notre dame last year and i know he's taken a lot of heat from uh, alumni and, and people around the Notre Dame program like like Tim Brown. But, you know, it, it, you just kind of felt like things weren't going to be as good as they were under Brian Kelly. So you're going to work for the best coach in the country, and you got a room full of five stars, four stars all over the place, including quarterback Ty Simpson's, I think, going to be the real deal. Julian Sayan is someone that I'm really excited about that's, uh, you know, committed right now. And uh, and you got other guys that can that can uh, tote the football, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But they got to get more creative, and I think he do, he'll do that. Make it sounds like you know you're uh, pretty pretty happy or pleased with the hire of Tommy Reese, but there was some backlash. Why do you think that is uh, that there was some backlash from some of the fans uh, after the hire of Tommy Reese? Well, look, he, he got it from both directions, right? I mean, Notre Dame fans were upset because Sam Hartman was coming there. And <laughs> he's, you know, this is supposed to be Notre Dame. Like, they just got the best quarterback in the country, you know? So they're, they're going to they're gonna win a national championship finally. And then, you know, he breaks off. And then I think Alabama fans were just expecting, you know, like a, a Will Levis type of guy. But, you know, the issue is is that there's there's not a Lane Kiffin out there. And, um, and, and I, I look at Lane Kiffin, and I've, I've always thought that he was uh, and is a, a genius offensively. But you know the other thing that goes maybe not as uh, not as noticed is that he's great at scouting. You know, I mean, you look at the, the wide receivers that he helped bring in. And, and I don't know, I, I'm not even saying he developed them, but just that he can go out and look at players and figure out not only you're a five-star, but you're going to come in here and you're going to get, you're going to do it. Right, and he's doing, and the same thing over at, at Ole Miss. I think Alabama fans were kind of hoping that they would find, uh, you know, or Sarkeesian or someone like that. But you know, I, I just don't think they were out there. And and I think of of who was available and who kind of fit what Nick Saban wants to do and 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 what would work. I think Tommy Reese is a good hire, but I just think that our expectations, you know, I mean, look, we've just had like NFL head coaches come in and take the job and guys that have been you know, coaches in the NFL and head coaches in college, uh, we have a coordinator now. 
but that doesn't mean he's not going to be successful. But I think that's why that some people weren't real excited. Last week was uh, – last Wednesday was the first Wednesday of February. It used to be a huge day because it was signing day. But that aside, um, where do you rate, like everybody else, Mick, where do you rate this recruiting class? Is it as sky high as everybody thinks? Oh, yeah. Look, this is going to be a – this is – these are – I mean, you, you, we, we've said this for so many years. You know, when Nick Saban showed up and he had that first class, and I can still see – you know, Julio Jones putting his hat on, Mark Ingram coming over, and we're like, hey, this is the greatest class ever. You know what? They were. And then another class came in. Christian's class came in. Mm-hmm. All of these classes came in, and they were great. And and this one is is great as well. You know, I, I think that some schools have shied away from high school players because of the transfer portal, you know, and, and they feel like they'll pick them up, um, you know, after they transfer, they go somewhere, and, and, and you know, so – Maybe they don't put as much emphasis on it. And Alabama went in heavy uh, this year, you know. But when you have that many top 100 players and that many five stars, uh, it's a great class. I will say this, and, and I, I remember taking off work to be able to go sit at Wild Wings and watch, uh, you know, the recruiting come in. But you know, long before I worked for On Three, and um, and how it was like a holiday. You know, and I hope that we get back to that because I know the coaches are kind of, you know, they, they and we, we've heard, uh, you know, Sankey talk about this too, and he's right. I mean, these coaches are totally tapped out. It was a better system when signing day was in February just for them, you know, because they've got bowl games and they've got playoffs and they got this and that, you know. So I'm guessing that eventually we will get back to, hey, National Signing Day is, the you know, the first Wednesday in February, and boom, that's when it's at, you know, we're at that. Uh, this time around, I mean, there was really, besides watching uh, Deion Sanders, there really wasn't much to watch, you know, because all of the work was done way before then. Good stuff, really, as always. Mick, you going to hang with us for another segment? Yeah, sure will. Um, I am going to get another baseball question in here. Na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. If you're looking to move out of your parents' place, you could really cut expenses by bundling your current renter's insurance with Progressive, which is good because your little brother has gotten really territorial. Partly to mostly sunny, the high 71. Wednesday, increasingly cloudy showers and thunderstorms by late afternoon, the high 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Mick Gillespie is our guest, joining us from South Alabama. Hey, Mick, I'm uh, gonna break away since I got the lead out of the break. You know, you know the terminology here. Um, just real quick, uh, baseball. Uh, you, you got a gut feel this early in the years, and, and you can't say the Cubs because I know you're a, you're a big Cubbies guy, 
And I can't say the Braves, but we're going to see the Astros, the Yankees. Is that what we're going to do again this year? Or Dodgers going to be in there? Do you see anybody? Here's my question as I fumble around here. Who do you see that's not on radar making an impact in Major League Baseball this year? Jeez, that's the question. I don't think it's going to be the Cubs, by the way. They are my team, but I just don't know if, you know, if your best players are Eric Hosmer and, um, and, and, and Trey Mancini that you're really going to be able to compete with what the Cardinals did in the offseason. I like Cardinals. I mean, I, I don't like Cardinals personally, but I like their team. Um, you know, uh, Goldsmith and uh, Arenado on the corners. They just went and got uh, Willie from the Cubs, uh, Wilson Contreras. And, you know, I know what he can do. I mean, he's already caught Player. a World Series champion. Yeah, he, he can hit. And, you know, I, you know, I hear he's, you know, well, David Ross was a big fan of him defensively or whatever. I don't know what his framing statistics are. But the game's about to change because this is the year where we're not going to have the shift anymore, right? So that's going to make batting averages go right. up. Um, you know, the bigger bases, that's going to make batting averages go up. I've seen it in the minor leagues. And then, um, you know, and eventually they're going to have an automated strike zone. So you don't have to sit back there and frame. So I'm going to guess them. Look, I wouldn't count the Braves out at all. I mean, I know they're, they're your team. And I would love to be a Braves yeah. fan right now because that's a, that's a stacked roster. And they've got guys, they always seem to find someone new to put in that rotation to, uh, to make them good. Mets went out and spent a lot of money. Um, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be really good. The Dodgers will be there again. I mean, I think it's the same teams. I, for whatever reason, I, I'm just not sold on the Yankees. I think it comes down to their pitching staff. It doesn't really scare me to get through the playoffs. So I, so I wouldn't put them in the mix. But I'd say the Cardinals and the Braves and the Mets in the NL with the Dodgers. And then the AL, I think it's wide open. You know, and, and the Astros won it last year. I don't know that the Astros have a whole lot in their farm system to really push what, you know, what they were able to do last year. So I think at some point you're going to see them kind of take a nosedive. Um, so that, I guess, I mean, right now without seeing one team hit the field, that, that'd be my guess. All right. Uh, this is a barroom debate kind of question. If you were to start an NFL team – and you had the choice of starting it with Jalen Hurts or a perfectly healthy Tua, who would you start it Whoa. with? Oh, wow. That is, that's a good one, man. Cole Jingling, crack it open, and then uh, us sit there. Uh, <laughs> and let her rip. Hang out, you know, talk the trip. <laughs> yeah, look, I, 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 you have to take uh, Jalen Hurts. And you guys know Tua is one of my top five, you know, four or five players ever. But the, the, the issue that he has, is the, is the concussions, and honestly, just for his well-being, I kind of wish that he would retire from football because he could do so many other things. I mean, he'd be a great commentator. He could coach. Um, but you, you mess around with those concussions, and, and, it, and it's long-lasting. I can tell you that from growing up in Baltimore and seeing guys like John Mackey late in their life, you know, and, and it wasn't good. So you got to be careful with that. Dalen Hurts, the, the, the thing that I always loved about him, um, besides, like, his personality and his work ethic and – just kind of how he bought in and his leadership was uh, was the fact that he, he doesn't get injured a lot. You know, this year when he had the shoulder injury, I was like, wow, he, he actually does get hurt once in a while, you know. But he's solid. He became a much better passer along the way, and that's why Tua got, you know, took over at quarterback. We all saw it. Um, but he was still, what, like 26-2 and two at Alabama or something like that. 
I, I would have to say him. And, and, and once they added Smitty and A.J. Brown to that offense uh, to go along with Goddard and, and you know, that it, he's, he's like having a fullback at quarterback when you need a couple of yards. But then again, he's got, you know, the Derrick Henry type speed, you know. So he's, he's such a weapon. And um, I think if you're building a franchise right now, well, the guy's got a chance to win the Super Bowl this weekend. I'd take him. Well, you just answered my question. I was going to ask who you have in the Super Bowl. It sounded like you really adore the Eagles right now. So it sounds like that's going to be your pick. You're going to take Jalen Hurts and the Eagles over the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl coming up? You know, um, they just uh, they just deposited some money in my account because I won the fantasy football league in my work. And, you know, and <laughs> I, I didn't have Hurts as my quarterback. I had I had the guy that almost won it for me last time. When I when I lost uh, late in the playoffs, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Look, I love all the Alabama guys in Philly. Um, I named my son after a guy named uh, Thomas Walter Jackner Jake, who was in Tuscaloosa, who's the biggest Eagles fan ever. But I'm I'm just I can't go away from Pat Mahomes. You know, his dad pitched for the Cubs. Um, he week after week he produced for me. So. Selfishly, and I know Travis Kelsey. I got to hang out with Travis Kelsey, Kelsey and uh, Rick Sutcliffe uh, right when they shut the world down in COVID in spring training. He's a cool guy. I hope it's a really close game, but I, I'm going with the Chiefs. I think I'm with you. I'm going Chiefs as well. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on the Eagles. What, Christian, have you decided yet? I'm still kind of up in the, the air on this one, guys. I. I want to go for the Eagles because you know, I would love to see Jalen and, uh, you know, Landon and Josh and uh, Smitty. I would love to see all my former teammates, you know, win a Super Bowl. I think, I mean, that's obviously the, the, the biggest accomplishment ever if you're a football player. I mean, guys dream of playing in a Super Bowl, but to win a Super Bowl, um, I mean, that's the pinnacle of the sport of football. So I'd love to see my guys win it. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like uh, you know, Mick and, and Lars, it's kind of hard to go against Pat Mahomes. I love Pat Mahomes. He, he's truly uh, remarkable with the football in his hands. And, you know, I just have so much respect for him now watching him play on a high ankle sprain a week after suffering it and uh, to play at the level that he played at. Um, that takes a lot of toughness and grit. And, uh, man, it, if, if a guy can go out there and compete like that um, under those circumstances, it, it makes me very uh, shy in terms of betting against him. So I, I I want the Eagles to win, but for some reason I'm worried that the Chiefs are going to pull away with it. That's just my thoughts. You know, with the exception of a couple times you could see him favor one foot, one leg, I'd have never known he had a high ankle sprain. Would y'all? There was no. you know, a couple I mean, times we, we, he, he looked a little gingerly, you know, here and there, but uh, to, did it look like a high ankle sprain? No. No, it, to me it just looked like, you know, he might have tweaked his ankle and kind of, you know, was, you know, feeling that a little bit, but man, to deal with a high ankle sprain didn't and play like, like he, that, yeah. Yeah, no, he played great. Didn't look like he had a high ankle sprain when he <laughs> on the final play of the game, um, which um, I, I got issues about going. that play. But yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, um, that was a good bit of acting hey. by Mahomes, man. You go back and you look at that play by OC. Uh, I'm sorry, he didn't have to uh, act, Lars. There was no acting. There at was all, a lot dude. more acting. Dude. There was a lot more acting. Do you go, think it wasn't a penalty? Clip, I, I don't. <laughs> oh my oh, God! Man, it's a cardinal <laughs> sin to oh, touch my. a quarterback. How are those tiger glasses <laughs> over there? Oh, my heart speaking. 
Wow. You sound like the worst Alabama fan I've ever it's heard. A, me no. and Doug Gottlieb, he's we're going to die on this. Well, he's, he's in denial right now. <laughs> uh, Anybody with two eyes knows that that hey, was a penalty. Hey, hey, Mick, as we go to break Well, there's a hold on the play. On the, oh, the left God. tackle. The left tackle. This Hendrickson. Hey, it's obvious. This time, on purpose, Josh, turn his <laughs> microphone off. Oh, gee. I love giving this guy grief, especially when he's sitting right in front of me. Okay, Mick, as we go to break, where are you going to watch Super Bowl? I'm going to be at the floor, Bama. Nice. All right, we're driving now. <laughs> Come on, see me. That, that's it. Uh, great stuff as always, Mick. Have a wonderful day, and uh, go Braves, go Cubs. Thanks, Mick. Yeah. See you guys. All right. Go Bengals. Nature Valley has helped restore access to 10,000 miles of national park trails. And we're on our way to restoring even more because every mile is a new. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. You know, I think back on Saturday morning, early, and we were in our 20s. Now look outside. What is it, 67 degrees and sunny? It feels like spring has sprung. Lars, you could pull out the sticks. I know. Uh, Can I go to the dock instead? Uh, well, you can't go to your doctor. Your doctor's playing golf. <laughs> hopefully, they're che- hopefully they're checking his eyes, too, while he's there. Because if you don't think that was the way to do it, I don't know what to tell you, man. I just watched it again. And, and dude, there's no there's, there's no way you can tell me that you're not being partial here by saying that's not a lie. Okay, I, I was actually, yes, I was just trying to get a little rise there. You but, got one out go of me, back Lars, because I'm go, literally go, watching go, it right go, now. Go, and I still am in disbelief. Okay, uh, okay look, at, look, look at the Chiefs' left tackle. Look at the Chiefs' left tackle. What does that have to and do with that's blocking the, call, the Bengals' though. right defense? What? That's not the call, though. Like, just, but it, I, I know it, it was a missed call. He, he, gets, he gets dragged to the ground. It would have been a sack on Mahomes. <laughs> I told you this before. And, and the game would have gone a, to overtime. He gets, he gets that sack. Game, game, game goes to overtime. The Chiefs are out of timeouts. You can't go off one play, man. They're back at their 20-yard line. You can't go off one play, man. I, I, look, as a pass rusher myself, I'm telling you, the first what? thing they told us when I got to the NFL was, don't come up here crying to us. They don't call holding in this league. Don't let them get their hands on you in the first place. My coach told us that. He literally said, stop crying to us about holding. They don't call it. Don't let them get their hands on you in the first place. <laughs> so that the holding stuff, dude, you could they don't call false starts on offensive tackles ever. They don't call holding on offensive tackles. That's just what the, the league likes offensive play. The Panthers owner just said that in their meetings, they're always coming up with rules to help, you know, uh, benefit the offense. He just said that. And he's an owner. He's sitting in those meetings. It's a fact. <laughs> That's why I was saying you have to yeah. know as a, as a if a quarterback is it's the rule is not if you push them while they're out of bounds. It's if they are giving themselves up and they are like inches away, they still can call that because you have to respect them. They're trying to protect quarterbacks. And, and this guy wasn't even Mahomes was out of bounds. I mean, it's 
clear, man. I, I hate to do it to you, Lars. I know you. I know you're upset over. <laughs> no, still, I but, know he was. Uh, he was out of bounds. I. I, know. I love it. And, I mean, but, I what, love what, your what, passion. What OC bagels, was trying just, to do. No, I respect. He the was trying to. He was trying to lunge and pull Mahomes back no, so he no. couldn't go out. Okay, oh, wait, wait. I have to debunk that, too. <laughs> no, this, no, this, this, this is what he explained. That he was, he, why do you he think he explained that, Lars? He's trying to save his tail. Lars, let me explain something. There's no way. It's not even like anatomy. An, the, the anatomy of it makes no sense. You want to lunge at somebody, grab their body, and pull them back? Like, that makes no sense. Like gravity won't allow you to do that unless you have superpowers, <laughs> Lars. Like, you can't jump off superpowers. your feet. He maybe he does. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, there's this. Like, I think he just said that trying to. Maybe in his head he thought he was doing something like that, but then maybe he was thinking, okay, I'm gonna basically horse collar him. That way his back lands and bounds. I don't know, but I'm telling you for a fact, there's no way he was what he thought he was going to do was going to happen. At, like it's impossible. I've never seen that happen in my Christian, life. Christian, we need. <laughs> We need to go back to Super Bowl 56 and talk about how wide open Lamar Chase was. Oh, yeah. yeah right. I'm sorry. Let's, let's, go, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, I can understand one that sec- one, Lars. One you, second away. That, that's bad. I mean, because he was wide open. But, again, that's what happens when you're going against, you know, perennial all-pro Aaron Donald. Like, it is what yeah. it is. The rush got to him. And that's why pass rushers get paid so much money because it doesn't matter who you got running open. If the, if the defense gets to the quarterback before he gets the ball off, it doesn't matter. Game over. But dang, that that's tough though. That's that. that I, I feel for you, Lars. You have that situation. You know, Jamar Chase being open. You know, inches away from you know a Super Bowl win, and then you know inches away from going to the Super Bowl. So I, I feel for I'm, you guys. Really but, but there's a lot of hope. Y'all y'all aren't going anywhere. I don't think. I mean, y'all. No, I know. You got you got a lot of great talent. Yeah, they, they got everybody coming back next yeah. year. Um, they're still on on uh, Burrow's rookie contract. Uh, I think Jalen Jalen's about ready to get paid big time. So Jalen is in year three, correct? Boy, it doesn't seem. Uh, like I want to say three. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 is it three or four? Yeah. So he, so so he's eligible for a big extension in the off season. Hey, let, let me ask you something. Just because I was channel surfing uh, yesterday afternoon. Did anybody, please raise your hands, watch any part of the NFL, the Pro Bowl, and all that kind of stuff? I did not, but I could not believe how many people were in attendance. I saw just some some photos of it on Twitter. I saw some how of about uh, you, Christian? the events. Yeah, I watched some of the events. My uh, best friend's actually there because uh, his brother's in the Pro Bowl, C.J. Mosley. Uh, Jamie Mosley, yeah, he was there with their whole family was down there, and uh, he had called me over the uh, – course of the weekend a few times and i um, was kind of you know filling me in and telling me you know what was going on and uh he said it was a, a fun event you know they put on a lot of stuff um and a lot of events for all the families you know there's a lot of kids there and overall it just seemed like a really good time you know i think josh jacobs you know voiced that he thought it was stupid but um you know i, I think it was a different kind of format you know it was one of those things where you know the pro bowl has kind of always been like a celebration um you know they used to hold it in hawaii and um, you know, obviously the game used to be a lot more intense, but I think nowadays guys are, you know, concerned about protecting themselves. And the last thing they want to do is, you know, injure themselves and, and risk, you know, their career, their future, um, you know, being silly. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's for the, the, you know, to celebrate the guys and the, and the accomplishments um, and the accolades that they, you know, achieved that season and, and for their families to go down there and celebrate. And, and that's 
kind of what I got from, you know, speaking with Jamie, he just was talking about how much fun it was. You know, they, they had concerts going on, you know, all these live events. It's a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff. And uh, I think the guys actually, from, from what it looked like, they enjoyed the flag uh, football part of it. I saw, you know, you know Trayvon Diggs intercepted his brother. Um, so stuff like that was cool. And I think it's always fun when, whenever you know, fans get a chance to kind of interact and see, you know, their favorite players up close. I mean, I think that's what draws them there, right? I mean, um, you know, this is literally the best of the best in the NFL. All their favorite players are on the field, and um, they have a chance to see them up close and maybe even interact with them. So I think that's probably what drew out all the fans um, to the event. Did you all know that the Pro Bowl players make more money than the Super Bowl losers per that event? I did not. How much do they make? Uh, how much will the 2023 Pro Bowl winners get paid? $84,000? Wow. It's a good payday. Wow. Um, you mentioned Josh Jacobs. Do you think that the, he will be a Raider next season? Uh, they have uh, the Raiders general manager, Ziegler, um, at their uh, season, at their season ending press conference was, you know, pretty non committal um about Josh Jacobs and you know the fact that they didn't pick up the fifth year option last year so he's a free agent and do they you know go all in with him and give a running back you know a, a mega deal um or do you let Josh walk and and, and for Josh it's, it's a great situation because he led the NFL in rushing with 1653 uh, yards uh, 12 rushing TDs. He averaged nearly five yards a carry, and uh, he, he obviously is going to be a sought-after player. But we all know that teams are are often reluctant to give big money contracts to running backs just because the shelf life of a running back in the NFL is pretty short. So, all that being said, Christian, do you think Josh will stay a Raider, or do you think he ends up somewhere else? That's a great question, Lars. Um, I don't think I could answer that just yet, just because I, I from my understanding, I haven't spoken to him personally on his thoughts on Vegas, but uh, I think he enjoys living in Las Vegas. I think he, you know, enjoys, you know, he's from Oklahoma. It's probably not too, too far, but uh, I think, I think he likes Vegas, but at the same time, um, you know, he has voiced his frustrations with um, the, the losing that they had this past season. You know, they'd interview him, you know, post game and, um, and it wasn't that he was frustrated with his teammates. It's just that he was frustrated with the results that they were having. Um, and he's a very competitive guy. Um, so he could look at playing elsewhere, um, you know, a team that might be more of a contender. Um, and at the same time, he might also uh, expect to, to go somewhere that's willing to pay him a little bit more. It just depends. You, you just alluded to the fact that running backs, you know, different teams value running backs differently. Some teams, you know, um, aren't afraid to pay their running backs. You know, you saw guys like Ezekiel Elliott you know, have big paydays for Dallas. Um, but others, you know, they know the shelf life of running backs isn't too great. So they're not willing to invest that much in a running back. I think it's a great investment. Just you know, knowing, you know, him and his competitive toughness and his ability to just um, really run between the tackles. You know, he can catch the ball in the backfield. He's elusive, but, he, man, he, he'll run you over. He runs angry. Um, I think they should offer him, you know, a good contract, try to keep him in Vegas. But um, if if another team comes calling and they offer him, you know, a, a much bigger or larger contract that is more appealing to him, 
I can see him leaving. So I think he's kind of in the air right now. I don't think he even knows what he wants to do. I think once he starts getting some offers and some contracts and starts negotiating with several clubs, I think then he'll have an idea. Um, but if I had to put my money on it, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up elsewhere, but something tells me he probably will stay in Vegas. All right, yeah, guys. And also, also, just one thing. I think it's real beneficial to him that he didn't get a ton of carries at Alabama. You know, he he because he was sort of running back by committee, and so he 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 doesn't have the normal wear and tear that um, a, well, Derek a back Henry to, would have. Yeah, well, Derek Henry, he's he's a whole different. <laughs> whole different guy. But if you were starting a team right now, which one would you take? Josh. I hate to say that. Josh, I love Derek, yeah. but I would, I would take oh. Josh. Yeah. You know, um, his teammates came out in an article I read over the weekend and said he's just – he's unbelievable. I mean, he is like Superman right now. Yeah. But I, I think uh, – and, and help me, who is the uh, – Similar type bruising runner back, running back that uh, Wisconsin had. One Ron Dane. Ron Dane. He, Man, how quickly did he run he, out of gas? Yeah, he deteriorated really fast. All right, I got an NFL quarterback question. I want to ask both of you guys coming out of the break and just kind of give you a little bit of a hint. Joe Burrow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, Christian. Maybe, it's just maybe, so fun to maybe, watch maybe this just guy. Can, just cancel the question, man. I mean, he just killed the question. Just, just ask another one. You know, Lars ruins everything. No, I'm just playing. No, I'm serious. I love your passion. I love your blindness. I really there do. There you go. That's a better it's great. blindness. Hysterical blindness. Uh, it's, it is. It, you, uh, you're blinded by orange and black. Yep. Uh, now, I, I am going to ask this question because it was addressed over the weekend of all places, Pebble Beach. Mm. We'll be back. Big news sport. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Have you ever been in a car wreck? Oh, I sure have. I needed a lawyer and I didn't know what to do. I was worried it was going to cost too much money. Then I turned to Stephen. Partly to mostly sunny, the high 71. Wednesday, increasingly cloudy showers and thunderstorms by late afternoon, the high 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Lars get as excited about the upcoming golf season as I do about baseball because I watched, I tried to watch Pebble Beach, but the, you know, Saturday the winds were so strong coming off the Pacific they had to cancel the round. Yeah, I, I saw mean, that. How? How? Do, do, if you said no, I get going? it. I get like sixty I get, miles an hour. Yeah, or something? I get really excited for um, the Masters Me and. Too. Um, and just the, the the start of the majors, um, but.
but I don't really get into it until then. Um, and it's going to be a little bit different this year. Although, let's see, the live guys can play in the Masters. Yeah. So, so they'll, they'll have PGA everybody there. Yeah. Have you seen a picture of Phil Mickelson, by the way? Yeah, he's skinny. Holy cow. Yeah. He said he weighs as much. He's down to his college weight. Go play on the live tour. I don't care. I used to really like him. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. What I brought Pebble Beach up for is they have a pro-am. And I don't know who he was paired with, but Aaron Rodgers and the pro he played with won the pro-am. Um, and if you know anything about these pro-ams, you know you got to have game mm-hmm. with your pro to win. And Rodgers can play. Yes. But uh, there were several times that he was putting in the, you know, the gallery, the patrons, as you say at Augusta National, were uh, yelling, Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> and, and back and forth and back and forth. And then afterwards, uh, who's a real pretty girl that does post-round interviews? I don't know. I forget. She, she looks like Laura Rutledge. But um, she said, okay. What's the deal? They were chanting it. Are you going to the Raiders? And he really joked around about it, but he said, yeah, I like that black and silver. I really do. Now, I think he was just baiting. I don't think that really is uh, even close to happening, but it could happen. I want to ask Christian first. Lars, you follow, okay? Will Aaron Rodgers play next year in a Packers uniform? If not, Christian, where? Uh... I don't know, honestly, man. I haven't put much thought to that question, to be honest with you. I um, I don't even know if you're just asking my general opinion. I, uh, man, I was. It's really say, not a very easy question. Yeah, it's not. No, I, and I'll be honest. I just I haven't really kept up with him or anything he's been saying uh, regarding it, or if he has said anything. Um, and a guy like him is kind of up in the air. I mean, because we we saw in the past, there's been times where. Um, a lot of people were skeptical that he would put on a Green Bay uniform again. Then he ended up coming back and working things out. It seemed like he had a strained relationship with the front office there. And I don't know. Um, that's tough. I, I don't know if he is going to keep, keep playing. I feel like he will. I think it's a little different than Tom. I think Tom, I mean, being 45, and he's got to hang it up then. I'm glad Tom's hanging it up. He 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 deserves it, and he needs to. But – I think Aaron comes back and plays again. Is it in a Green Bay uniform? I'm not sure. What do you think on that, Lars? Well, so in March, Aaron signed a three-year, $150 million contract extension. So trading him would require some real creative accounting, to put it mildly, uh, because his cap number is so huge. But it probably it, it could be done if you extend the life of the contract. Um, the teams that seemed that that seem most likely, if let's just say that the Packers are going to trade him, I think number one would be the Jets because the Jets have already given up on Zach Wilson. It certainly looks like it, um, and the Jets they have uh, some young offensive weapons, you know, they, they, they have some talent on that team. Uh, and then the Raiders would make, uh, would make sense because Devonte Adams is one of Aaron's closest friends, right? They played together in green Bay for a long time. I mean, and, but for the Raiders, they need to make a decision. Are they in rebuild mode 
or are they in, hey, our window is right now, right? And and, and that's why I, I almost think I have a feeling that the Raiders may try to go the draft route and get a get somebody in the draft. And then an intriguing team would be the Titans. Um, you know, Ryan Han- Ryan Tannehill, like he does a a good job, but not a but good, not a great not a Super Bowl. Job. Yeah, yeah. And well, neither was Brad and, Johnson. And, and, the, and the thing is, you still have Derrick Henry. Um, probably a few good years left of Derrick Henry, or maybe even longer, given his uh, freakishness. Who knows? Um, Patriots? Eh, I don't know. Commanders have been mentioned. What about the Bucks? Dolphins? The Bucks? Yeah, I mean, if if Jason Light, who's the GM, wants a quick fix, then he would be the guy. But the problem with the Bucks is their players are aging. And, and, again, I know this team really well. I wrote a book on them a year and a half ago. And uh, uh, it's just I, I think they're ready for a, a rebuild. I think they're, believe it or not, I think they're going to go with Trask and see if Trask can be an NFL-level quarterback. He has shown absolutely zero, uh, <laughs> zero hint of that so far. Um, but let, But another team that I think is interesting is the the 49ers because now you have Brock Purdy looking at a six-month rehab uh, on his elbow. Garoppolo is probably going to be gone, and they still don't know what they have in Trey Lance. And if you're and, – and Aaron Rodgers is from the area. He went to Cal. Um, you know, it would be like going back home. I mean, I, I think if, if – if the 49ers really wanted Aaron Rodgers, they probably could get him. And uh, that that would be an intriguing storyline. But you know what's not intriguing? Is that we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers for the next six months, and it's going to drive you crazy. Because it will be on every single debate show. <laughs> Where's Aaron going? Where's Aaron going? Where's Aaron going? And it's like Aaron, he, he does just enough to, you know, not he, he doesn't even add fuel to the fire, but he just, just like a... A drop of a drop of fuel just to keep it going, right? They would have and, made the playoffs had they not traded Devontae. Do you do you believe that, or am I being Cincinnati pro- Bengals? Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that would have been another win. Yeah. Uh, and why the Packers? But he's, stuff he was like developing that me crazy. He's developing good chemistry with uh, a kid Watson. Lazar, and Watson. And, and, yeah. I mean, uh, I, so I don't know. Uh, I think he'll probably end up at Green Bay. Don't you? Um, you're you're the, yeah, you're, the I, you're the resident Aaron Rodgers well, expert. And, um, I don't know if I'm an expert or not, but um, I like him when he's wearing the green and gold. Greatest uniforms in the history of all of sports, by the way. Um, uh, but I don't like him as a person. I mean, come on now. The guy's a tool. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd thought about writing a book on him, and I talked to my agent about it, and my agent's like, "Yeah, really? Yeah, he, he poo pooed the idea." Well, uh, I mean, it's is like it's the same one that poo pooed the Bo Jackson yeah, idea. Oh gosh, okay. it is. The same. Right. It is. Maybe, maybe we need to think. Uh, and I know. Um, did you ever play the Packers, Christian? Yeah. What do you think about number 12 in green and gold? Oh, I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, 
I don't get caught up in you know what you know what people. I I respect their games as an athlete. You know, I mean, I'm not very judgmental of what people do in their their free time or their off time. Because I'm sure some people wouldn't agree with the hunting I do or you know whatever. But um, you know, I I think he, to me he seems like a cool dude. I, I get how he could come off as a tool, but if you really get to listen to him, like on the Pat McAfee podcast, I think he's just his, himself. You know, he's just very transparent and he's not. Uh, shy to be himself and I, if anything I kind of respect it you know he kind of likes going against the narrative um, he doesn't like dealing with a lot of the media because unfortunately they like to twist and turn things and kind of like what we're doing now <laughs> labeling him so what <laughs> yep. he does is he not can, kind of it is what we're doing exactly what I'm doing anyway so, no no I and you're fine it, but no but that's part of it people do that and I think he's one of those people that he just says hey I'll just stick with you know Pat a good friend of mine who lets me be transparent and and be myself and I can you know come on here and speak how I want to speak you know he, you know, he's not afraid to drop a cuss word on there, and he's just very authentic. But and for that, I do respect him. He's a very authentic person. He's not trying to be somebody he's not. Um, but as a football player, he's remarkable. Um, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks um, I've seen, and and he can make all the throws. He has great touch of the football. Um, he's had success in, in the league for a long time. So I, I like him. If I was on a team, I would love to have him. Um, um, come play for my team, um, you know, because he's he's a winner and he he's very competitive. You see him, you know, getting on his guys. He's not afraid to jump his young receivers and, and he'll call them out publicly. Yeah. And it might not be the best uh, approach to it, but um, in the National Football League, you're getting paid hell a lot of money to to do a job. So you're going to be held accountable from the coaches to the the veterans. Um, so I don't have a problem with him in, in that type of uh, way. So I, I'm a fan of him. Uh, I know some people aren't, but. Heck, if I was on a football team, I'd love to have him at quarterback because he gives us a chance to win. Um, specifically, you know, postseason play, he's proven. Can't go wrong with a quarterback like that, in my opinion. Well, and, and believe me, I'm a Packers guy. I'm not really a Rodgers guy. But if he's <laughs> in a shotgun formation, I am pulling for them one like Starr was back there. That's right. Well, maybe not like Bart Starr. Cause, you think Bart Starr ever took one shotgun snap? Uh I doubt it. No, uh, I, I, I doubt it. Do you know what he played at Alabama predominantly? God. He was a safety. Oh, didn't know that. Well, that also shows you what a good coach Ears Whitworth was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's take a break. And uh, last half hour we're going to dedicate totally to phone calls. At 205-342-9904. I guess I could just really go lame with you guys and just get people to call in, quickly tell tell us who uh, they think's going to be the Super Bowl winner. Talk about anything you want. Is this 57? 57? I'm willing to bet the first question would be about the coordinators. Anybody want to match me? <laughs> <laughs> it is Super Bowl 57. Uh, I missed Super Bowl three in its entirety. I'll tell you why. When we get back. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. I studied Spanish in college and never got fluent. But then I tried Babbel. Want the most effective way to learn another language? In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel's bite-sized lessons will have you learn...
going to take some calls here at 205-342-9904. Uh, that works for any market you are listening in. Aniston, Gadsden, Birmingham, and obviously by the prefix, that is a Tuscaloosa phone number. So you just call and say, hey, Aiden, put me on the air. I promise you he will. You know, I guess if your topic's okay. All right. I went to uh, 1969. I went to basketball practice on Saturday morning, Huntsville, Alabama, Lakewood High, Lakewood Elementary. Had a good practice, as I remember. <laughs> but um, I loved to practice. I mean, I, I loved everything about playing sports, not to the level that Christian did. But anyway, I digress. Got in the car, that old 58 green Ford, three on the tree, driving back to my house, and my stomach started hurting. And I don't mean like a pain. It was it was like a knife had mm-hmm. been inserted. And then as I laid down on the couch when I got home, my mother was looking, caring for me, and then, then it started shifting to my left. And my mom and dad both said, he's... His appendix is inflamed. Let's get him to the hospital. And I got to the hospital, and they said, it's a good thing you brought it because it was about to rupture. Mm. So I uh, immediately went in for surgery. Uh, I spit up on the operating table. How's, how's that for glory? <laughs> um, but I went in like Saturday night. Next day was the Super Bowl, and I missed what most Alabama folks would consider I don't know, Star and Stabler's quarterbacking in the Super Bowl is pretty darn good, too. But because of the moment and because of what Namath was and because of what he promised. To guarantee. uh, It was, in many ways, the greatest Super Bowl ever in some eyes. Yeah. But as far as the football game, it probably wasn't. But because of Namath, it was. I woke up and saw him running out of the orange bowl with his finger in the air. That's the only part I saw. <laughs> Matt, you want to hear because some good story? Still you, recovering. You want to hear it? Speaking of the Super Bowl, listen to these wild stats they put out. The Chiefs this year, sixteen and three overall record, four five hundred forty six points scored, six All Pros, including a Kelsey brother in their quarterback. AFC's number one seed. Now the Eagles this year, sixteen and three overall record. 546 points scored, six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback, and the NFC's number one seed. Isn't that pretty crazy? Hmm. Yeah. Like two uh, images of one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I Look, I hate to say it. The two best teams in the NFL are in the Super Bowl. They really are. I agree. All right. Hey, and that doesn't so happen I got, every uh, single no, year. No, it does not. It really does No, no, no. no. It does not. All right, so I have some. I love history, and going back to Super Bowl one, I, I looked up some interesting facts about it. Number one, um, it was known as the AFL NFL World Championship game. Now, the Chiefs' owner Lamar Hunt, he wanted the championship game, this new championship game, to be known as the Super Bowl. And that idea came from that ultra bouncy super bowl super ball toy from Whammo. You know the producers of Frisbee Those and the, were and the hula hoop. Absolutely yeah. great. Yeah, they were popular with kids, with his kids, and millions of others. But uh, Commissioner Pete Rozelle thought the name was too gimmicky, 
and he suggests calling the championship game the Pro Bowl or even the big one before settling on the AFL-NFL World Championship game. But writers and journalists, writers and broadcasters complained because it was such a mouthful. Yes, and so they, they just started, they took Hunt's lead, and, and they just started calling it the Super Bowl. And not until the Super Bowl three did Roselle finally say, okay, fine, we're going to call it the Super Bowl. Um, and so uh, it wasn't decided until six weeks that the game was played that it would be held at the uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. So it was kind of like haphazardly sh- thrown together. There was over 32,000 empty seats, which is pretty amazing. The most expensive tickets, and a lot of fans were complaining about how expensive the tickets were, $12. $12. You can't stand in a parking lot for $12. The the game aired simultaneously on two networks. Both CBS and uh, NBC aired the game. Uh, And uh, 15 million people actually couldn't watch the game because of rules at the time. Because the game wasn't a sellout, so... 15 million viewers within a 75-mile radius of the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum couldn't see the game without, you know, fashioning one of those makeshift uh, aerial antennas out of coat hangers and broomsticks. Um, (laughs) The halftime show featured marching bands, Rocketmen, and Pigeons. That's pretty cool. Uh, I love the Rocketman. There was two second-half kickoffs. Because the 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 uh, NBC was still in commercial break because the the uh, an interview with Bob Hope ran too long, and they kicked off, and um, the Packers kicked <laughs> off to the Chiefs, and the referee said, "Nope, got, everybody's got to see it." So they so whistled they had a do-over. They, they had a now do-over. This I did not know. <laughs> they had a do-over. Yes, and uh, I love how the both coaches wore their their Sunday best. I wish oh, yeah. coaches still did that. I don't know why they don't do that anymore. Oh, uh, you know, I think the last one was um, Landry in the NFL. Yeah, who's the last coach to dress up on the sideline uh, in college? I always Tressel. I think was the last. He wore the sweater vest and the tie. Yeah. Hey guys, but I, I don't mean to. Uh, I know. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but it looks like you guys owe me some money because uh, we have Steve on the line here, and it appears that his question is about coordinators. So, Steve, <laughs> okay. Steve uh, welcome to the show, Big Noon Sports. Go ahead and uh, ask your great question about coordinators that I knew was going to be the first question. Christian, uh, a welcome break. Uh, Christian, I, Christian, I just made you a rich man, brother. Thank you, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure you, to split some with you. I'll split some with you. Money, <laughs> no, hey guys, you guys are you know you guys are my alarm clock five days a week. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you remember what he said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this show gives him reason to get up before noon. Uh, yeah. yeah, but see, I'm gonna go That's to bed great. as quick as you get. I'm gonna go back to bed as quick as you get off the air. So you know it works out. I either. don't think you're alone there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. I'm I'm kind of an old well I, maybe an old school I don't know what you would it's, I really I really defy uh, you know what people might actually think Kevin Steele <laughs> that guy's got that guy's got a lot of he's he's obviously well respected in the uh, football community both evidently college and pro but does it 
does it does it concern anybody but me that he's got such a long resume that it sounds like he's just kind of always keeping his options open. He's not committed to much of anything being, you know, one or two years here or there, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. Does that bother anybody but me? Well, Steve, I think that's a great point. I'll be honest. It wouldn't bother me only because um, the way, you know, coaching works nowadays, I mean, everybody's always on the move. And uh, it's very rare for somebody to really stay with the with the program for three plus years, especially in today's, um, you know, a system of college football, even in the You're NFL right. ranks, you know, so that doesn't necessarily alarm me. And if I'm being honest, I don't necessarily see this as being, um, and I could see him being at Alabama for a while, but do I see him being the coordinator for three, four, five years? Honestly, probably not. If, if I had to guess, you know, he might be here, um, you know, for this season, uh, you know, maybe for the following one, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're already kind of um, almost grooming uh, another candidate, you know, within the program um, in the time being, because uh, again, you know, Coach Steele has an abundance of coaching experience. You combine that. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Austin Armstrong, young guy who's kind of been quickly climbing the ranks. Um, you know, he they brought him in from Southern Miss. He had a really good defense over there. And so you'll have the likes of guys like him on staff to kind of help, you know, add some input. I could see that being almost like a, uh, you know, a Pete Golding situation where they, you know, bring in a young guy, he kind of learns a system, but then he ends up getting promoted or um, even someone else. You know, and, and also, I'll be honest, I wouldn't rule out Jeremy Pruitt um, that to eventually take over that role. I think it was just a matter of they couldn't get the job done right now. Um, just too many factors going into it with some of the you know, allegations and issues that were ongoing from his time at Tennessee. Um, so with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if we even saw Pruitt take over within the next two years um, at some point and, and, and even maybe have him as an analyst or somehow involved in the program um, in within that time frame while he's kind of waiting. So that's kind of how I see it um, kind of playing out. So I'm not too alarmed with Kevin Steele. I think it is it's probably the best fit for now. And uh, it makes a lot of sense um, in terms of what Coach Saban was kind of looking for uh, right now in this moment. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you breaking that down. I have one more question uh, in, in this regard. Do you think this Kevin Steele will be the last defensive coordinator Saban will hire, or will this be Kevin Steele's last head coach? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Is this going to be his last defensive head coach hire? Yeah, I'll but quickly you, according, give, to what, according to what you said, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I'll quickly give my little input, and I'll pass it to Lars or Matt. They want to touch on it. I don't think so. I, I think Coach Saban definitely has um, a good bit of time left in him. I don't know if it's 10-plus years, but um, even if it's five or six years. I, I, again, I, with him being here uh, with Coach Steele, um, I, I see that maybe being a couple years. So I, I think there probably will end up being another coordinator at some point. But at least for the time being, I think he'll serve his purpose and do a good job. I don't know if you guys want to touch on that. Well, I'll just say, uh, by my rough count, he's coached at 13 different schools and at some of the schools multiple times, which has to make him the most well-traveled assistant coach in college football or in the NFL. It has to. 13 different teams. 13 over the course of how long? He's 64. And he started in 1980. So, well, that's but that's 13 different schools. Years. Yeah, I, I would I would say that he's had more stops. You know, there's than, somebody we uh, 
somebody we've had on recently, and I was looking at their web page or whatever, and they were real close. But uh, I think what Christian brought up about Jeremy Pruitt eventually moving into that chair is a that wonderful observation. Spot on. Yeah. Hey, Steve, you're a great caller. Uh, get up, get up at 11.45 tomorrow. Eleven fifty, brother. Eleven fifty. All right. Eleven fifty. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Steve. You too. Have you got some more of those Super Bowl facts? I can. Got anything that would just not? I want something I'm not. The second half kickoff did knock my socks (laughs) off because I didn't know it. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Hi, it's Chris Stewart wishing you a happy new year from Townsend Honda. The new year brings new Hondas. Come pick out a new Accord. We have 20 new Honda Accords in stock. Plus, shop the best. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, the high 71. Wednesday, increasingly cloudy showers and thunderstorms by late afternoon, the high 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. I've been walking these streets so long, singing the same old song. I know every crack in these dirty sidewalks of Broadway. Where hustles and Hi, everybody, I'm Glenn Campbell. This was my favorite song when I was about six years old. I was going to ask you if you even remembered him. Yeah. Uh, I love some Glenn Campbell now. You know, he uh, often sang uh, Harmony for the Beach Boys. That's how yeah. good his voice was. But. All right, anyway, I got I got some more facts and figures. First, I have cool. to get 30 seconds here. All right, go ahead. Last night at the L.A. Coliseum, they kicked off the NASCAR season with the Bush-like clash. I'm sure you've probably covered about 15 of those mm-hmm. uh, as as I've high. I like it. It's a quarter-mile track. It's a temporary asphalt. It's at the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, just to let you know, Martin Truex Jr. won it. I read an article about the race this morning. And the guy that pinned it, and I, I don't remember his name, I'm not sure I'd share it with you anyway, said it was marred by caution flags. It's a quarter-mile track with 37 <laughs> cars on it. I think don't think so. Anyway, um, in an L.A. Coliseum first Super Bowl uh, note, do you know who the Grand Marshal was? I don't. Uh, Rob Lowe. <laughs> Does that Wait, fit? Oh, for last night. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Super Bowl one. Oh no, 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 no! I know you're going to get back to Super <laughs> yeah. Bowl one. I, okay. I, I'm um, there. That's interesting. Okay, so just a couple, couple more fun facts about the Super Bowl. No sitting president has ever attended a Super Bowl. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah. Americans eat more than a billion wings on Super Bowl Sunday. That's B. A billion. Wow. Super Bowl Sunday is the second largest food consumption day on the American calendar behind Mother's Day. Thanksgiving. Oh god, what a dumb answer. <laughs> Come on. Hey, man. please, please take the use the delay there. <laughs> dump dump button, please. You know that halftime performers are not paid. 
I now I did know that. Um, Super I think Bo- the first Super Bowl was like the Trojan marching band or something like that. Is that right? Or does it say? Uh, not sure. Oh, the first uh, Super Bowl. It yeah. was. It was Mar- Yeah, it was. Uh, it was marching bands. Uh, uh, there was a Rocket Man. Oh yeah, you, yeah. You, All right. So I'm there's sure only been one ever. Super Bowl MVP MVP chosen from a losing team. Who is it? Uh, Chuck Cowley. Mm. Oh my gosh! How did you get that? Well, it's the only one. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was named Cowboys linebacker Chuck Howley. It was after his team lost Super Bowl five to the Baltimore Colts. Wow, I, I can I tell you that, you, but I yet not... I can't remember the answer you gave to the <laughs> halftime performance from ten minutes ago. Um, Jump in here, yeah, Christian. Christian you have, like this stuff? Have you ever been to a Super Bowl, Christian? No, I've never been. Um, but I'd, I'd probably love either. to go. It, it seems like it'd be a pretty, pretty cool event. <laughs> I'd like to go to the parties. Yeah. There's some pretty B.A. parties that some of these superstars hold. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, so, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue with the, the fun facts and figures throughout the week if, uh, if this segment... <laughs> Warren's going forward. I I love it. Christian, what's the first Super Bowl you remember with any detail watching? Man, I'll be honest. I I don't even know how to answer that question because nothing really comes to mind. I mean, I just always watched it every year. But I'll be honest, I was more excited about – I never had like a huge team that I was like, oh, I'm pulling for them. I always just was excited for the Super Bowl party to to eat all the the wings and all the the dips. I'll be honest, I was probably – Eating more than watching the games. I mean, I, you know, I remember watching them. I remember watching. Uh, I think the, the big catch. Uh, the Giants are playing the Patriots. Um, was it yeah. David Tyree? I believe David Tyree. Yeah, yep. that yeah, one David stands Tyree. out. You know, my dad's unbelievable. You know, former Giants player. So that one stands out. But I, I think I just go back to all the food, man. Uh, I, I love you know watch parties and, and okay. good food. <laughs> you brought it up, so I'm going to ask you: is, is our final question going out here? What is your record? For wing consumption in one sitting. I don't even know. I've never tested it. Maybe that'll give me something to try this Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. All right. Lars is bringing them. We owe, we owe you, what, a million dollars? Yeah. So we'll start so. it off with wings. Cash or check, Got to get out of here. Y'all have a great day. I'll check, please. <laughs> As a Walgreens pharmacist, I talk with people all the time about little tips and tricks for filling their Medicare prescriptions, like taking advantage of Walgreens 90-day refills to save them a trip.